Coming up on This Week in Games, Activision Blizzard loses two CFOs, Nexon's CEO is looking to cash out, and Zynga is back making giant purchases. Coming up This Week in Games. time of the week for your video game industry news rundown i'm your host eric mcconnell and this week i'll be covering multiple weeks because i was out for the holidays i'm sorry guys and also a nice shout out this is our one year anniversary for all all seven of you who've been listening since the beginning thank you and everyone else who's new welcome aboard to this week in game so time to run down the news for a few weeks now um I think the last one I did was the 15th of December, so this is about three weeks worth of news for you guys. First up, Activision Blizzard's CFO is released, Blizzard CFO quits, and over 100 Irish Blizzard employees take a payout to leave their office. So this is a weird story. It's a trio of stories, actually. I just grouped them together because of you know, Blizzard, and it just makes it easier for announcing. So, Spencer Newman, the CFO of Activision Blizzard, has been terminated and will be immediate re- re- immediately replaced by previous CFO Dennis Durkin. So, Durkin, while he was CFO from 2012 to 2017, saw the share price rise by 400% while Activision Blizzard was under his financial control. And under Newman, the share price dropped 27%. But... That isn't the reason he's getting terminated. It appears Newman had been interviewing at Netflix and was planning on leaving the company for the streaming digital giant. And in doing so, he violated his terms of agreement and his legal contract had been terminated. So it just shows you as a CFO, you can monstrously underperform and, uh, you know, actually get terminated for something that has nothing to do with that. So next up, bleep. Blizzard, so Activision Blizzard is the big publishing company, the giant umbrella company. Blizzard, who's under Activision Blizzard, Blizzard's own CFO, Amrita Ahanj. Okay, I didn't pronounce that right. right. Amrita Ahaja. Ahuja. Gosh, I'm sorry. Amrita Ahuja departs. She is leaving for Square Inc., the payment company, and she's going to report directly to Jack Dorsey himself as CFO. And finally, 100 Irish Blizzard employees are taking one-year salary payout to leave their customer service job. And why do these all stories happen now? Uh, pretty much pointing to Activision Blizzard is at some kind of peak, and they don't really have like the games under them to keep this momentum going, so... People are starting to leave. They're starting to downsize, especially Blizzard is starting to downsize. I would say there's a couple of reasons. You know, Call of Duty doesn't sell like it used to. Um, Destiny, specifically Destiny 2, never really lived up to its promise. And Overwatch League was kind of crushed by the arrival of Fortnite. (laughs) So, you know, those three things in common. Uh, The Diablo story for Blizzard that really kind of like hit a sour note with fans. Let's see. There's just an endless array of things. Like, and I think one of the big one is they don't really have that much coming down the pipeline that's announced. Like, you know, Diablo Immortal is the big thing for Blizzard, which, you know, is really disappointing. And Activision, you know, I mean, they're not really doing anything. They're just hoping to figure out the new Call of Duty, you know, revamp that will bring sales back. So, 
they they're hit a peak you know we'll see they have another massive hit game they'll come back otherwise you'll probably see this kind of like uh exodus of talent occur especially at the higher levels next up niantic closes investment round and launches a one million dollar contest so Niantic closed a $190 million investment round. This was pretty much the round leaked by the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago when they said Niantic was shopping around for $200 million at a $3.9 billion evaluation. Kind of interesting that they're raising money because in 2018, Pokemon Pokemon Go grew its revenue by 35% and roughly brought in about $800 million in revenue. That's insane. Now, I think that gets split three ways flat out between Game Freak, Nintendo, and Niantic, and then it gets split subsequently more. Um, But yeah, that's still a ton of money for a game to bring in. Now, why does Niantic need money? Well, Niantic bought four companies last year and invested in another, effectively buying out that other company. And that story brings us up to our second Niantic story. Niantic's Beyond Reality Developer Contest, where developers can submit games made in Niantic's, quote, real-world platform for the top prize of $1 million. This is why Niantic's raising money, not for the million dollars, and it certainly isn't to fund more terrible Ingress Netflix cartoons, but Niantic is raising money because it really wants to be kind of up there with the pantheon of game development platforms like Unity and Unreal, but they want to be the game AR platform and game engine but uh, the real question is is there any room for another ar game i'm going to say no especially another ar real world game you know pokemon kind of was an alignment of a ton of things and i've yet to see anyone pitching or any indie or any ideas floating out there for real world ar games that really make sense um so yeah i don't know if like i don't really think this is a big field that needs its own dedicated platform and really something that's going to pay off for, you know, Niantic raising all this money and burning all their revenue into this project. Are they really going to see like a $20 billion company arise from an AR development platform? I don't know. Maybe, but you know, looking at Magic Leap, what happened to them in 2018? Probably not anytime soon. So next up, everyone's favorite money launderers, G2A, they're back at it. So this time, G2A decided to charge people with inactive accounts. So what does that mean? GTA, G2A started charging people one euro, that's about a dollar and 14 cents, for being inactive for six months every month. So their quote is, it costs money to upkeep accounts, and if someone does not use the account, it doesn't make sense to upkeep it. Well, G2A, why don't you close the account? Like, why would you start charging people's credit cards for having inactive accounts? It's ridiculous. They try to pass it off as some kind of financial security thing. Really, this is just G2A being scum lords that they are. And you might be asking, hey, why is this? Why, why is Eric picking on G2A? Well, I'll break it down for you. So G2A became famous as a place where mass amount of game keys can be sold even if they're bought with stolen credit cards and can be dumped at a much lower price than retail value. So here's an example. You steal a bunch of credit cards. You buy 50,000 copies of game A for $50 each. You sell all 50,000 copies of G2A for $20 each. You get a clean $1 million. G2A sells all 50,000 copies of game A, which is a $50 game for $30. And then you have a bunch of consumers who go and say, hey, I could buy it on Steam or I could 
for $50 or for $30, I can buy the G2A code that gets me a Steam copy of the game for $30. It's the same thing. I'm going to spend $30. Well, in reality, Steam and that developer don't get the $50,000 sold at $50 each because the credit card was reported stolen and that transaction gets rebunked through the credit card company. And so the developer and Steam lose all their money and G2A makes a ton of money off stolen games. So that's why they're scum lords, you know, and they have a long history of doing things like this. So not very surprising people. All right. Interesting story. The FCC waivers for video games for accessibility requirements expire. So what does this mean? All games in the future must adhere to the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, the CVAA. That means specifically the legislation states that in-game communication such as video and voice chat and any UI or information needed to navigate to and operate the communication functionality must be accessible to people with a range of conditions such as vision or speech difficulties. That's kind of rough. So kind of what it's saying is, you know, every game has to adhere to all these types of accessibility difficulties. So if your game is heavy and, you know, visuals, you need to have audio aids to aid in those visuals. And if your game is heavy in speech, then you need to have visual aids, the aid in the audio and so on and so on. That's a big problem. It's amazing that games uh, had a waiver for this long and are now like filed under this. I don't understand why they're just not flat out exempt for being uh, pieces of art. But there is a catch that we can all cling on to as developers. So the catch is there must be a reasonable cost associated with this. So if you're a four-person indie dev studio, you only sell 20,000 copies of your game. It's not reasonable financially or time value for you to actually invest in this accessibility act. However, if you're Bethesda or Take-Two, you're probably going to find a harder argument against this, and you're probably going to have to put the time to make your games more accessible. I don't know. We'll see how this shakes out. We'll see if anyone gets slapped with fines or anything. Who knows? You never know. And speaking of regulation, Japan regulates its online games, specifically dealing with game key reselling. So a shrew of things are now illegal in Japan, and I'll just run through those. Distributing tools and programs for altering save data. Eh, that kind of makes sense. Several serial numbers or product keys that are unauthorized or selling serial numbers or product keys that are unauthorized by the maker of the software in online auctions. That's illegal and offering services that modify save data on customers' behalf. So uh, number one and three are pretty mute, you know, altering save game data. No one's making a ton of money on anything like that. So whatever. The second one's the big one, um, online auctions for game keys that are getting resold. Sounds like G2A is going to have a hard time in Japan. But uh, yeah, good for Japan. Nice move. Nice move in the right direction. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Asia over there, China starts approving game licensing again. So for you, those of you guys who don't know, China blamed a slew of problems on video games um, and had a crazy list of demands like, you know, Riot, you had to log into League of Legends using the police database so that kids under a certain age could only play a certain number of hours a day and blah 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 so anyways china just stopped approving games you have to actually get a license for a game to be released in china they just stopped that shit and so these licenses were actually like one of the ways netties and tencent held a duopoly 
over foreign companies coming into China and basically made these companies either hand over mass amounts of uh, percentages of the company and shareholder value or hand over like a large percentage of revenue that the game made in China and a large being like 80%. Um, but now China starts approving licensing again. The only problem, none of the top domestic partner leaders are present. So about 80 titles have been approved so far, but none of them were from Kings, Tencent, or NetEase. Pretty big fuck you to those top firms in China. And I don't, I don't, I'm really not an expert in Chinese video game politics. I got to think it's maybe because those companies were too big and they kind of just want a publisher who will actually let the Communist Party run their company to start approving titles. I don't know. That's just my wild guess. But let's get to some business news. So this first one's a big one. I don't know. This came out of left field and kind of like the logistics of it also came out of left field. So Nexon is looking to sell the entire company, but Nexon as an entity isn't looking to sell the entire company. Kim Jung-ju is looking to sell his 98.64% of all of Nexon. That's estimated at a $9 billion value, and with it comes the entire company and all the voting shares. So it's not like Nexon is looking to sell. It's uh, the CEO of Nexon owns all of Nexon, and he's looking to sell. So interesting. Um, potential buyers are listed as Cacao Corp, Netmarble, Tencent, EA. Those kind of make sense. I don't know if... Uh, some of them can afford it or not. I don't know if they actually would. I can't really see EA dabbling in this. Deutsche Bank and Morgan Stanley are said to be managing the sell. No word on why the sell, but Nexon is basically a two-company game still at this point, which is sad. So they have Dungeon Fighter Online and Maple Story. Both these games are out, outdated and very old and look atrocious. And I really can't see some of these companies going in there. God, I, I can't see Tencent buying them outright. I could be wrong. EA, I really can't see EA doing this unless EA was planning on releasing like some really strong um, Korean, Japanese, Chinese game, like Chinese, Korean, Japanese targeted games, specifically Korean because Nexon is Korean, and then is looking to buy Nexon for all their users to shove in these other more updated games. I don't know. Uh, the whole thing doesn't make sense. I don't know who's going to buy it. I don't know why they're selling it. I mean, the company has kind of been stale for a long time now, and all their shots that aren't Dungeon Fighter Online and MapleStory have kind of missed. So such a weird story. We'll have to see how this one shakes out. Ugh. And uh, speaking of weird uh, business stories, so Zynga acquires Small Giant, developers at Empire and Puzzles. This is a rough one. Zynga's paying $560 million dollars for 80% of the company, with the other 20%, which is $140 million, given over three years if net revenue goals are met. That means this five-year-old studio with like under 40 people, that it's only released a single game is worth $700 million. And what's even crazier is this game is a shallow, shallow clone of Puzzles and Dragons. It's legit just Puzzles and Dragons with a slightly bigger like move around board, which I think actually makes it less strategic. And it has more Western fantasy art instead of the anime visuals of Pad. Um, 
God. The other thing I want to point out is when Zynga does something like this, it's basically a big fuck you to its own developers within the company because Zynga has lost faith in its own team to actually execute on something. Like, you don't think Zynga could actually have an entire team clone Puzzles and Dragons internally and instead is willing to pay $700 million (laughs) for... um, small giant who's in Helsinki who's not even in America I it smells like one of two things either Frank Jabot Jabot he's a CEO of Zynga he's either thinking I need to make this as attractive as possible so we can sell this to Ubisoft or EA because him going around acquiring all these companies like it kind of does it kind of raises the stock price but the stock price is still hovering in the bottom four dollars and you know I'm sure his target for investors is nowhere in the $4. So him going around buying these companies doesn't do shit because he's paying a ton of money and it's going to take forever. So he's either beefing shit up for Ubisoft and EA to come in and buy all of Zynga or there's some fishy money laundering, money shuffling, money something going around because Zynga's been buying a lot of companies in Europe and spending a lot of money on them and... You know, maybe it's just a smart way to bury debt so that, you know, when they write that number in green every quarter, um, you know, investors are happy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but uh, God, $700 million, man, that's, that's batshit crazy. And I'm actually shocked Small Giant went with it because they basically print money. You know, I mean, you had to think they could probably hit that kind of revenue in another five years but maybe they didn't want to wait maybe their user acquisition costs were too high maybe they saw a peak like they actually saturated out with aggressive advertising have already acquired all the major spenders and have no more to acquire or now just want to dump the game who knows this thing is so weird and it kind of came out of nowhere and zynga's been buying a lot of companies lately so i don't know guys we'll just have to see i keep <laughs> i say that every time i i think my My common ending phrase for a story like this is, I don't know, we'll just have to see, guys. All right, a few more small stories. Discord raises $150 million in fundraising, so Discord's now valued at $2.05 billion. In May of 2018, so that's like, what, eight months ago, Discord's raised $50 million and was valued at $1.65 billion. So there you guys go, $400 million. all in just saying you're going to start a digital store. You can raise your company's value by that much. So since that April fundraising, they've started their own digital store at a 90-10 split. That's the most favorable split of all digital stores. 90% going to developer, 10% going to Discord. And they've started a premium game service where you subscribe to this like Nitro service and you get a bunch of games for free. Frankly, if I had to guess, I don't think the money is for the back end of the digital store. I think they already have that figured out. I don't think back ends for digital stores are like quite as expensive as they were like 10 years ago. I think Discord realizes that they need exclusive hits on their platform to make anyone spend any money on there. And they're probably going to have to fund, fund themselves. So they're probably going to take that $150 million and make a bunch of shots, see if they get a mega hit. Um, you know, bam, you have an exclusive title. So, yeah. And finally, in business news, these stories just depress me because you'll see. So Cloud Imperium, the developers of the professional fundraising platform known as Star Citizen, 
raised $46 million in non-crowdfunding. I know, guys. I didn't, I didn't think they had it in them. So the surprise twist, Star Citizen isn't averse to taking non-fan money and has raised $46 million from investor Snoot Entertainment. So $46 million, though, kind of a drop in the bucket for their unreleased game because that unreleased game has raised over $200 million from crowdfunding since this exception. So I don't know. Why are they, what the fuck are they doing with money? Like... So this is like pretty much we could just say like they $250 million. I'm pretty sure Grand Theft Auto V, its development came in at under $250 million. So what the fuck are you guys doing with this money? I think we're going to have like a giant case study on Cloud Imperium and Star Citizen. Like I, there's got to be some kind of IRS investigation. Something's going to come out of this, guys. <laughs> I, I can feel it. This is this is like the Trump presidency with like you know all those investigators like coming in, and you you just know some shit's eventually going to go down in the next ten years. That's how I feel about Cloud Imperium. Like, what the fuck are you doing with two hundred fifty million dollars for Star Citizen? What is going on? This is nonsense. There's some money shenanigans going on here, and I don't know what they are. All right. Sadly, guys, um, got to end on a bad note. So this happened actually like the day after I recorded my last podcast. So Colin Kroll, the CEO and co-founder of HQ Trivia and Vine, was found dead on December 16th. Reports suggest a drug overdose. And sadly, the more I read into it, there have been reports you know, shortly before this in 2018, that Kroll was being forced out of HQ Trivia due to a rapidly declining DAU and worries that he couldn't direct the company in the right place. So that kind of just makes us sadder. <sighs> yeah. You know, HQ Trivia, this guy, you know, he, I don't know what else he did, but come on, he, he took two shots and mega hits, you know, Vine and HQ Trivia, Jesus, like, this guy knew social virality like no other. I mean, if you would have pitched Vine to anyone, hey, six-second videos, they're going to be awesome, everyone would have been like, go away. And then this guy made it happen so much so that everyone had to have video support after that. And then HQ Trivia is another one pitching, hey, we're going to give out real money, have a live host, and stream some trivia where you just can answer three questions and everyone would have been like, are you out of your damn mind? Like, what are you talking about? And I hear it's profitable. So, you know, a sad one. Um, and uh, he'll be missed. I'm curious to see what else he could have did in the game industry because this guy seemed to kind of know his shit. So that's it, guys. Um, first this week in games of 2019. It's kind of weird to say it's 2019 and uh, one-year anniversary. It's been a good ride. I'll see you guys next week. Hopefully no more long breaks. All right, thanks.